sharing it. It's for his glory. Less than 24 hours, he has no pain in his back. He's moving along fine, and he's been okay. Let's give God some praise. He answers prayer. Amen. Uh, for those of y'all that know, Sweetie's mama was in the hospital this week, had another blockage and some things going on, but she got to come home Friday night. But, yeah. But here's the kicker. Sweetie shared it this morning in Sunday school. You want to come up and share it, Sweetie? You want me to do it? Sweetie don't like getting up and talking. Her mama gets up the other night. Sweetie's been up 50-some hours sitting up with her, and she gets up the other night and falls. And nothing's broken, but she is so hurting in her body, and she, Sweetie couldn't help her up. And she didn't want the nurses and the people to know that she had felt fallen, and she didn't want anybody to know that. And so Sweetie's trying to get her up. She can't hardly touch her in her body. It hurts so bad from the cancers that she has, not from the fall. And they get her back in bed, and she starts sharing with her of just how God good, how good God is to her. She's laying there and she's hurting. And we've been praying for six years now, going on six years come June, for God's healing of her. Y'all been, many of y'all, most of y'all in here, y'all know about the, the, the times. And she's laying in bed talking about how good God has been to her. You know, we've been wondering all along, is there something she needs to get right with God? What's going on? What she's going through? I mean, you can't help but to wonder that. I know it might not be right. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Maybe I need to see something about me. She's going through this because I need to see something. You ever ask those kinds of questions? But without a shadow of a doubt. She knows the Lord. And even in hurting, she's giving him praise. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that a testimony? Isn't that a testimony for the world to hear? Isn't that a testimony we should be given for, uh, so that people would just know how good God is? They need to know. And if we don't tell them, they won't know. That's why we have the testimonies. The testimonies are for his glory. It makes it a little bit easier when you get a phone call that you start praying because I don't know about you, but in this flesh we can get weak. Am I right on that? And then you hear a testimony and you say, you know what? God heard me. I've got no power, only the power that he has. There's no power in me. There's no power in you, but there's the power of the Holy Ghost, and it comes from him. He's the one that helps us to pray. He's the one that leads us to pray, and he's the one that no matter where somebody is, you pray for them, and they can receive healing. They can receive salvation. It's him that does it. We exalt him. We don't exalt our church. We don't exalt our pastor. 
We exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything beyond that is false idols. It's what God does. Okay? And I just wanted to share that with you this morning. I, you see, I got some markers. You sure can, sweetie. go through things. Yeah. Amen. Amen. what we need to hear. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, we're a week after Easter and the church is empty. <laughs> what? Post-Easter? Two services last week makes up... Uh, no, I, shut up, Ken. He is still alive. This week, too. This week, too. He's still alive. But that's okay, because we're going to proclaim the gospel. That's what we're going to do. We're going to proclaim the gospel. And if the rocks, will, and it's only but rocks there, we're going to proclaim the gospel. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we've been doing this series, and we're going to keep on keeping on. We're planning on, I think we're going to end it on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Anybody know what that means? Yeah, that's the day that the Holy Spirit was given to the church. That's the day that Big Mouth Peter wasn't just about Peter being a big mouth. Now it's about I'm a big mouth for God. In the place where they crucified Jesus, he's back there 50 days later and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people get saved. I wonder if there'll be 3,000 people in this state get saved today. I'm not just talking about Kogoff, I'm talking about churches. That's why we are on this uh, series that we're doing, being overcomers. We have to overcome ourselves. Last week, or last time we were together, not last week, last week was Easter, but we talked about the Israelites, uh, uh, their deep dive into idolatry. Remember that God got them out of the wilderness and and he's wanting to meet with them, but they don't want to meet with God. They said, Moses, you do the talking for us. You, you take care of it. Well, Moses goes up, and he's gone for 40 days. They don't know what in the world's going on with him. And they decided, okay, we need something to worship. And so, remember Aaron, he gets all the gold from the people, and he makes a calf. Now, this is the priest. This is the leader who was supposed to have been with Moses. And he makes a calf, and the people start worshiping, and God says, Moses, get down off here because these people have corrupted themselves. I'm ad-libbing it, I know, but for time's sake. And so we know that they were deep into idolatry. They did acknowledge, however, that it was God who delivered them from Egypt. It was God who destroyed Pharaoh's army. 
It was God who parted the sea and they crossed on dry land. They acknowledged all of that, but then they had to make a false god. See, it didn't take long, and if we look at history, tonight we're going to cover some of that history because this message is actually a two-parter. I couldn't get it all in today. We're going to finish it up to next week, I think, because we're going to talk about now making the change. We've identified problems, but now it's about what do we do about it. Remember I told you, you first got to see there's a problem. If you don't see there's a problem, then you're blind. I've showed you enough evidence to tell you there is an issue. And it belongs to all of us throughout America, throughout the world. There is an issue. You've got to see there's a problem. You've got to identify exactly what it is. You've got to come up with a solution, and you've got to put it into action. We're very good at seeing the problems, and we're very good at telling about the problems. We're not so good about finding solutions or putting them into action because putting them into action is tough. Isn't it? It's hard. And especially if we got a loved one we need to tell some truth to. It's hard. But that's what the early church did. That's why they were growing. That's why they were seeing the power of God. Yes, we've been ha we have the testimonies. I'm telling you there's much, much more. If there's not, then what are we doing? And that's the reason for this and, and digging it out. Uh, we discussed that Idolatry is rooted in disobeying what God has clearly revealed to us. If we confess Jesus as Lord but are clearly disobedient to his authority, that becomes the most deceptive form of idolatry. You don't even see it. I told you the other week about Numbers. You remember all those numbers I gave you the other week? A lot of numbers we had about it. But the modern church, uh, it's gotten to the place that it's found that, that certain instructions in the Bible appeal to us. And we proclaim that we are saved by grace through faith. And we cannot earn this grace because it is God's favor. And that's true. Uh, we have stressed that loving one another and serving one another and singing songs and being relevant to our community and the people that we serve. Uh, we, we do this with passion and it's true. These things are true, but there's even more. And that's the part that we want to look at. Um, it's in the Bible what I just told you, but I ask this question. Are we neglecting the importance of meekness and holiness? and pure sexual purity, and abstinence from any other sin? Have we warned those that we love to flee homosexuality, fornication, drunkenness, crude jokes, empty foolish talking, unforgiveness, bitterness, gossip, and many other commands and warnings that we find in the New Testament? By the way, I challenge you. Can you all see that number? What is it? That's how many commands there are in the New Testament. Based on this, what we're studying and learning right now, do we know what they are? Are we avoiding trying to find out about them just so that we don't have to answer? 
And that's not legalism. We're going to get deeper into this next week. We do have to be careful with legalism. But on the other hand, we can't swing the pendulum so far to the other side that we don't tell people the truth. Otherwise, remember what last time's message was? It's about a false Jesus, wasn't it? Can we solely focus on aspects of Jesus' word that don't collide with our society's established standards? It's easy to tell people what they want to hear, and you can gain a crowd if you will tell them what they want to hear. It's a whole other thing when you tell them what they need to hear. When there are 29,999 other denominations, and I'm not saying we're the right one, Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I love Jesus Christ, him and foremost. I happen to be a minister in the church of God of Prophecy. Has the church of God of Prophecy gotten some things wrong, Brother Wayne, over the years? Has it changed? That's called repentance. And repentance is necessary. Is there more things we might find out that God's going to reveal to us? There probably is. We can never close our minds and say, no, it's, it is what it is. No, we have to be searching the scriptures daily. We have to be calling upon God every day to reveal to us his truths. Not what some book some guy wrote. Not some commentary. Because you go to the Christian bookstore and you can find every guy that's ever been had a TV program, he's got a Bible. It's got his name on it. And inside of that, next to the scriptures, you got his opinions on it. Maybe they're right, maybe they're not. But at some point, we have to find out who Jesus is. So, so I asked that question, uh, can we create a Jesus that doesn't confront ungodly ways? We can, but we shouldn't. Amen? We shouldn't do that. Can we avoid addressing what he hates and only proclaim his words that society deems admirable? We can do that. It has been done. It is being done today. There are people flocking to churches all over this country today and throughout the world that's looking for somebody that's not going to talk about their sin. The Great Awakening happened all because preachers went into churches and went into cities and went into towns and they preached a subject. And that is whenever something started happening. We're going to talk about that subject today. Can we widen the road and the gate that leads to life? Ah, that's the art class. Tell me if you can see this line. You see that line okay? And this is, ooh, thought I was falling. Do you see right here? This is what we call the beginning. This is like when Adam and Eve was around. That thing don't color too good, but you get the idea, eh? Then we come on up through history and we get to the place that where Jesus was born. And he walked this earth. And he did his teaching. And he gave us the word of God. And the apostles were behind him, the disciples, they came along. And it didn't take very long, less than 70 years, less than a generation, for this to start happening. 
You see that? It's close to the line, but it ain't on the line. That's why Paul wrote everything that he wrote. He was sending correction to the churches. Because when the devil saw what had happened at Calvary, he came up with another plan. And all he had to do was get into man so that this would get off of this narrow path. He said, straight is the way and narrow is the gate. This is the Bible right here, the black line. And not long after that, you got this happening. And not long after that, you got this happening. And 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 this and this and this and this. And we've gone from the narrow gate to the wide gate. 29,000 denominations. I mean 33,000, I'm sorry. 33,000 interpretations or versions of the Bible. And it's called idolatry. Call it what it is, identify the problem, and then do something about it. I lost my hickey. Randy? Oh, it's on the end of this one. Y'all forgive me. That is where we are at in our society today. That's where we're at in our world today. And if you look hard enough, you're going to find somebody that is going to tell you what you want to hear. And they'll tell you and help you with everything you... Oh, there you go. Good catch, brother. They'll take you to the place. They'll take you to the place and say you're worshiping Jesus and you love Jesus because they picked out pieces. And they've taken this stance. We don't like this part. And that is what we're, we've been looking at. Can we believe that if a person just recites a few magical words that they are automatically saved? The answer is no. I can lead you to a place and say maybe you can pray something like this. But friend, if you ain't praying it and it ain't in your heart, you didn't get saved. I'm going to write a report and say, well, you know, I had three people got saved this month. Glory to God. But then what happens? You got to take to the place. You got to get to the place that you want to grow. Have we created a fake Jesus and are we purposely ignoring the challenging issues of the New Testament? And the answer is yes, we are. Just go read the commentaries. Go buy you a couple of Bibles. You can spend like $45, $50, $60 on John MacArthur's Bible or this other guy's Bible or this other guy's Bible and you'll look at the bottom of it. He'll tell you what it means. I challenge you, there's a fellow by the name of the Holy Ghost. He's the helper. And he said, I'm going to send him. I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will send him and he will teach you all things. I don't have everything right, but I do know this. When I got saved, I didn't just take his word for it. We had a lot of conversations over the years, ain't we? I wasn't afraid to ask the question. He wasn't afraid to give me the answers to the best of his ability. But the answers are found in the word of God. That's where the answers are. And there are plenty of people who will tickle our ears and tell us what we want. Let's go to Acts chapter 20, verse 26. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. 
the whole counsel of God. Paul didn't just teach the pleasant words of the gospel. He was sure to declare all God wants us to know. That's what he did. And like Paul, can we say if anyone goes to hell, it's not my fault? Ask yourself that question. Well, it's my mom. Well, it's my brother. Well, it's my son. Well, it's my daughter. Well, it's my best friend. I don't want to have the conversation somebody else needs to. Do you not realize that the Holy Ghost may be asking you to do what nobody else can do? And yes, they may turn their back on you. Depending on how badly they like your sin. That's hard, isn't it? But on the other hand, if you don't tell them, then what? They are as lost as last year's Easter egg, as a good friend of mine says. Yeah, if we go to Ezekiel, their blood's on our hands. He's telling us we're supposed to tell people this. You see, have we become more concerned that people wouldn't desire to return to our next service? So we won't talk about this. We'll do this on Sunday night, but we ain't doing it on Sunday morning because we have such a plethora of people here. They got mad at that church and now they're here, but we better not talk about this subject. We know it's an issue for them. We have to proclaim the truth. You see, the, the proof in the pudding is, is truth. It's not numbers. That's where the proof of the pudding is. And now that we have gone for years, and I would say decades, avoiding important character issues addressed in Scripture, we're now reaping the harvest. Do you understand that? We are now reaping the harvest of, what the, of these people who wouldn't do what they needed to do, have the conversations they needed to have, and we're now reaping the harvest of that. And sadly, many, many people are on the wayward path. They're on one of these paths, and I'm going to ask you, can you get into the gate? I'm asking you, shake your head, let me know you're into something here. Your opinion doesn't matter to me. What matters is where you and God are on it. Can you get into the gate if you're down here when this is the gate right here? And the answer is no. And it's not being legalistic. It's saying, hey, here's where life is, and here's where death is. And that's what we must do. We babied them. And to what end? When trouble comes, and friends, you remember I told you the other week, it will come. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this life. Those who are weak, they've never been given the foundation. They've never been brought up. When trouble comes, they're going to fall away. How badly do we love them? How badly do we love them is the question. See, is giving someone a false Jesus really love? Is genuine love solely defined as only as kindness and patience and giving to others? And these are attributes, folks, that are in the Bible. They are true. But look at what the Word says in 1 John 5 and 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commands. We keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. You know, we will to do his will, not that I got to do his will. See, some of the teaching we've been doing, we've kind of showed that back in the Old Testament, remember? 
And I'm not going to re-preach those messages, by the way. They're online. Go find them. Because if I'm saying something that's foreign to you now because you couldn't get here for some reason, they are online. I've done everything that I can to get this message to you. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it? This is the question. Do you want to know? Do you want to know what the truth is? This is not beating people up. This is showing us the way to life. The subject, what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about repentance. We're talking about repentance. And it's not just saying a prayer, you know, I love you, Jesus, come into my heart and make me a Christian. That's not repentance. That's reciting a prayer. That's saying a prayer. Maybe you ask that. But repentance comes into play. Let's look at it in Acts 20 and 21. Or 20, 20, and 21. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Do you see that? Paul stood in the pulpit, gave it to the crowd, but he also, when somebody says, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. Hey, pastor, could you come over to the house? We need to have a conversation. Hey, pastor, there's something I don't understand. He went to house to house. When you get to house to house, now it becomes more individualized. Pastor Murphy, did you shy away from telling people truth when they needed to hear it just because you wanted them to come to church? Ken ain't either. I don't want their blood on my hands. I don't want to be walking into heaven looking over into a pit and them looking at me and saying, why didn't you tell me? As a matter of fact, let me fix that. If I did that, I won't be walking into heaven. I'll be down there saying, Brother Murphy, why didn't you tell me? You was my state overseer. Why didn't you tell me? I needed to know that. But you want to know something? I can go to God with that excuse and he'll look at me and say, I'm dealing with him. Right now I'm dealing with you. You can pray. You can read. You could seek me if you wanted to know me. So it's not his fault, but it kind of is. But you're going to answer for yourself. My babies ain't going to heaven because I'm going to heaven. My babies ain't going to hell because I'm going to hell. It is an individual walk and an individual relationship with Jesus Christ. That simple. And so Paul says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus. I got to believe he was virgin born. I got to believe that he died for my sins. I got to believe that he rose from the dead. We celebrated it a week ago. But what else is in here? Repentance and turning to God. The first step is the necessity of repentance from sin. That's what the first step is. And repentance is mandatory to becoming a child of God. It is not optional. There are people today listening to that message that it is optional. You said the prayer, you're good to go. And then there's not a changed life. That is the, that's the pudding right there, folks. I don't get to judge anyone, but I do have to tell this message. I do have to get this out. I'm giving it to you so that you can go out and take it out. Don't call the pastor and say, hey, can you come over and talk to Bob? 
Okay, you can call me. I'm just using this as an illustration. I'll come. But if you're Bob's friend, you go talk to Bob. Bob needs to know that. If you want me there, I'll be there with you. But you have an obligation too. The reason that you know about Bob and you've been able to see the fruit is because the Holy Ghost showed you. And now he wants to empower you so that you can let Bob know, Bob, you're over on the blue path and you need to be on the black path. Otherwise, you're going to miss the gate. You're going to run into the wall, buddy. That's what the Word is telling us. That's what he is teaching us. And you don't hear much about this repentance message anymore these days. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the, begin the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and as it was written by in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Who is that? Who is that messenger? John the Baptist. That's who he was sending. He was the messenger. And his message was a message of the baptism of repentance. It was full immersion, not partial. It takes full repentance, not partial. Do you understand what I'm telling you this morning, brothers and sisters? And this does come upon us. We'll see more here late, later. And I, I urge you, try to get back next week if you can because this is going to close up even better. It'll make more sense. It was John the Baptist. And this message is not really one in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the repentance was what? They put on sackcloth and ashes. They wailed. They cried. They rolled on the ground. It was an outward display of repentance. What is the Bible progressively doing to us? We get to the new covenant. Jesus comes on the scene, and man, they really hate him. Why? Because he's getting down and showing them that it's right here. You're doing this, but you mean this. And I see it all. I see it all. You're playing church, but I know where you're at. You act like you're saved. You can say a thousand songs, man. You don't even need a book. But I know where you're at. See, friends, he's always going to be working on us. If you're breathing here today, don't you fall on I'm saved, sanctified, filled, the Holy Ghost going to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the devil, just like right there, he has been knocking on your door the day since the day you got saved. And if you ain't careful, he's going to slip some sin in there, and you're going to be so prideful and so powerful, you ain't going to see it. And all the time, a preacher like me comes in, and you just upset your world, and it's God saying, wake up. Wake up. Am I right on that? Brother Murphy, can you say amen if you agree with that? Thank you. They'll listen to you more. See, look at this in Matthew 11 and 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. They were just prophesying until John came, and then John started laying the foundation. See, you haven't entered a relationship with Jesus unless, you, unless you've fully repented of known patterns of sin. Repentance is the front door. That's how you get in. That's how you walk in. That's what repentance is. Listen to John's first words in Matthew 3 and 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say join the church. He didn't say learn 50 Bible scriptures. You need to learn the whole thing. We can give pens out for you memorizing Bible scripture, but if they don't go from here to here, it ain't nothing. You just got knowledge. You can't apply it. You don't know how to apply it. 
That's where the Spirit of God comes in. Did it change after John the Baptist come? No, let's go ahead and go a little deeper. In Matthew 4 and 17, there's another fellow that said the same thing. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And by the way, Jesus actually used this to be able to determine whether or not people belong to God. Matthew 11 and 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He showed up. He did a work to show you who he is. He gave you the message, and you didn't repent, and he's rebuking them. You remember he said to this one place, he said, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day than it will be for you. They didn't see me. You've seen me. And it's going to be better for them on judgment day than it will be for you. What a message. What a message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew 11 and 20, then he began to rebuke the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they did not repent. In Luke 5 and 32, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You want me to come see you, I'm coming, okay? If I can possibly get there, I'll bring some, a gallon of oil and pray with you. And I believe that God can do that. But I've got a whole lot of people that I know have been talking to. They don't have a clue who Jesus is. And they don't believe in this message. They know who he is. They've heard about him. They've read about him. But they need some truth given to them. And I love them. You understand what I'm talking about? Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'll come and see you. I, I, am I getting this across okay? You call me at 3 in the morning, I'm out of bed and I'm heading to your house. If I possibly can, and if I can, I'm calling Charlie or Brother Murphy or Kenan or so, some of these other guys and say, hey, we got a brother and sister that's in need. They need you to show up. They need some prayer. They need to be lifted up. They need to be encouraged. And by the way, encouragement is not just making them feel good. The encouragement will be the truth that will set them free. We have to give the truth. Oh. In verse 13, Luke 13 and 3, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus has given it to them. You see, there's no turning to God without repentance. The disciples' very first assignment in Mark 6 and 12, so they went out and preached that the people should repent. It's necessary to tell everyone that they should repent. Did the message change after the resurrection? No, in Luke 24 and 47, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's what Jesus was giving them to do. Uh, let's look at Peter in Acts 2 and 38. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It didn't stop there. There's a fellow by the name of Paul in Acts 26 and 20. But declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent. Turn to God and do the works befitting repentance. I cannot know who Jesus is. I, you can apply this to you if you want. I'd advise you to. I cannot say that I know who Jesus is and not do the works befitting 
repentance. I can't go and trash mouth this man behind his back to people or this man behind his back to people and say that I know who Jesus is. I'm going to come on because it's true. I cannot do that. If I love him, I'm going to go and me and him's going to have a talk. Me and him's going to have us a talk. You're going to come to me. We're going to have a talk. That's how it's done. Because if it's happening in the back rooms, if it's happening over the telephone, if all these kinds of things is happening, can I tell you, brother, you need to learn who Jesus is. You need to learn who he is because, you know, he comes and dwells in you and guess what he don't do? He don't live in a dirty house. Oh, well, I'm not drinking, smoking, and watching porn. It doesn't matter. He came to talk about the weightier matter. He came to talk about the heart. And he says, I don't act like that. I don't know where you're coming off like that, but I don't go there. What's he going to do? He'll still be waiting for you, but he ain't walking where you walk, where I walk, if we don't walk where he walks. Did I say that right? He's going to walk where he's going to walk. I've given you a few examples this morning to show you the importance of repentance from sin. And there is no place in our faith in Jesus unless there is first repentance of known disobedience to God. There is none. You see, you can't be a Christian if matter of fact, you can't stay a believer if, let me say it that way, if you willfully hang on to the porn. Come and sing all the songs you want and pray. Yes, seek God. If you can't turn away from it, you don't know him. And I would be remiss if I told you, well, you're okay. You know, his grace will cover you to the end. Oh, no, you can't live how you want to live. You've got to live by how he is. We've got to give up our life to be born again into a new life. You can't be a believer or stay a believer if you refuse to stop having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. That's called fornication. Our society tells you it's okay. People are doing it all the time. The Bible has not changed. We will get into it a little deeper next week, but by the way, he did say that all fornicators will be judged. Put it off. Go to the courthouse, get married, make it right. You come to me, we're going to go through counseling, or I ain't marrying you. Because I am going to tell you what the truths are. That's just how it works, right, Bonnie and Jason? You guys, we, we still hooked up? We still meeting? Okay. Because we're going to have these conversations. Somebody sitting on a feather back there? You can't be a Christian or remain a Christian if you refuse to turn away from homosexuality. You can't do that if you refuse to abstain from cheating on your taxes. Finding a way to get a little bit here and a little bit there, that's cheating. Oh no, it's mine. The government just wants it. You don't like it, move. That's how our government does it. If you don't like it, run for office. You don't like how the preacher's doing it? Get your minister's license. You do it. Right? Careful, God might walk you down that road. I promise you, you might not like where you go. 
You can't be a Christian or remain one if you want to cling to gender perversion. If you refuse to walk away from unforgiveness. These are things in the Bible that he gives us. If you refuse to walk away from gossip, shut the door on it. You won't get the phone calls. Oh, you want to talk about Bob? Let's go get Bob. Come on. I guarantee you they'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. And you'll never get called again. And you won't be caught up in other people's junk. Because that's in the Bible. So, you, you know, that's one of the commandments that he gives us. If you can't walk away from a place of bitterness or a place of sowing strife and negativity and many more things, 500 plus, you cannot become a Christian. If you are one and this slips into your life, you best deal with it. If you come to church here, I'm going to tell you about it and it's not to beat anyone up. I want you to walk with me into heaven. You understand? I want us to go there together. I want us to be there. Worshiping Jesus. You see, if we insist on clinging into limited parts of the Bible that we have created as a fake Jesus, we are deceived in our heart and our faith is only in our imagination. The idol, the fake Jesus that we created using a few scriptures. We can't do that. In James 1 and 22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. You can say amen this morning. You run through the church if you want to. But if a change doesn't happen, it's deception. James says you're deceiving yourself. And we have to look in that mirror. We are fruit inspectors. Not judges, fruit inspectors. You can have a better life if you walk where Jesus wants you to. Talked about tithing the other night. Yeah, this is a tithing message too, really. It's a command of God. I had somebody ask me, well, can you get into heaven if you don't pay your tithes? I don't know. Can you get in there if you're a homosexual? Both of them are command of God, so where do we draw the line? Do you see what I'm talking about? You find out what it says. I don't get to be judged. I'll tell you what I think and what the Bible says, and the answer is absolutely not. Not unless you give in to God. I just thought I would throw that one in because money always perks people's ears up. Because that's the God of America, by the way. Most people, that's what makes them do what they do. Most church people usually are mean all because of money. And the answer is, you need to meet who Jesus is. I'm going to serve him no matter what. He said he'd take care of me. Let's hang on to him. Let's walk together and do that. Can we do that? Can we walk together with one another? Can we let the Bible fix us and change us? Can we let the Word of God come in and do something different in our lives? Make us be more like Jesus. Can we do that? Can we talk about that and look at one another? And can we pray for one another? Can we do that? Is that okay? Because that's exactly what the early church did. And that's why they had such power. That's why when they walked in the room, six people got up, six, not six people, but sick people got up and started cooking supper for them. Yeah. The power of God was on these people. The power of God was moving. And they weren't looking, they weren't looking to put up statues to themselves and monuments to themselves. No, you point a monument at them, they say, no, over here, Jesus, that's the one. That's the guy you need to be talking to. I'm his servant. I serve him. See, that's what the early church did. That's what they did. And how are people supposed to know unless we proclaim it? And as a leader, I can't assume that you know something. I found that out not long ago. I asked somebody a question. They didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I'm thinking, now please don't take what I'm about to say wrong, but I'm thinking, you've been in the church how long? 
Never assume that they know what you're talking about. Go to the Word. Explain it. Otherwise, you give something and they're thinking, I can't put that together. That's why they got a block missing. They got a piece missing in there. Never assume that somebody knows or that they will figure it out. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How will they know unless we tell them? Is our approach something like this? Are you away from God? He's waiting for you to come home. Just pray this prayer with me. Do I really love that person if I do that and not tell them about repentance? Do I really love each one of you if I do not tell us about repentance? By the way, folks, this hits at my house too. I stick my pants on just like you do. I'm a 15-year-old Christian. i got a lot more growing to do. And I've come to realize that as long as I've got breath in my lungs, God's still going to be showing me stuff. He will always be showing me stuff in me and how, to, how for me to get to where I need to go. And no matter the audience, the true gospel is repent from known sin and turn to God. Yes, He loves you. Yes, He is a loving God, but He says this is how it has to happen. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said it. And if, friends, as you grow as a Christian, there will be more repenting that has to take place as the Lord reveals sin in us that we may not realize. And there will be some that might actually start growing after we become a, a Christian. You know why? Because the devil wants you. He wants your husband and your wife and your kids and everybody else that you know. He wants you. Are you going to let him come in? I pray not. I pray that we don't. See, there is no salvation without repentance from sin. You can't marry Jesus and be in a relationship with the world. It doesn't work. You don't want your husband or wife to be having a relationship with two or three other people, do you? Well, that's called adultery. That would be fornication. It would be against God, but also be against your spouse. Same thing with Jesus. We don't want to walk there. And God's made it very, very clear. He's made it crystal clear that we must repent and change course. We talk about we want revival. Friend, let me tell you something. Revival ain't coming until we repent. I'm not just talking about Huddleston. I'm talking about the United States of America. Until we repent, we can pray all we want for revival. And God says, yeah, I want to do it. But we're going to only go do it my way. It ain't about the speaker that shows up. It ain't them. You wonder how I know that? Because if they're holding on to God and they're listening to God, they're not going to show up here, pull a message out of a notebook, and they preached it 20 other times before they got here. A true evangelist is going to show up with a message for Huddleston right now. It'll be for you, and it'll be for you, and it'll be for you, and it'll be for you. That's the only way God works. They can come and entertain us. How do I know? Because whenever they're gone a week later, it's business as usual. One of two things either happened. It was either the wrong speaker with the wrong motives. <laughs> I'm low on money this month. Can I come and preach? I tell you what, whenever the Lord tells me to call you, I will call you. Don't call me. I've done it before, but I will never do it again. 
You're going to come and preach at this church when the Holy Ghost tells Ken, you're coming to here to preach. Because you're, you, I'll just leave it at that. Or, or, it could have been the right speaker with the right message from the Lord, but speaking to hearts that are so hard and so deeply in deception that they could not hear and they would not change. You understand what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? I know this ain't shouting time. But we got to get ready. Look around you. Is God filling this place up with people? I visited over 175 people last month. More than half of them were people who are not associated with our church. Did they blow the doors down coming in and I missed them? No, the only way that the God's going to come in, he's the one that will draw them in to him. It doesn't matter about our program. Words on the wall, blue book, yellow book, I don't care. What's going to matter is truth. See, when John the Baptist was in the wilderness preaching, people went to hear him. Why? Because they wanted truth. And they repented. That's how it works. You see, there's going to come a day that people are going to stand before Jesus with their list of ideas. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You used my name. You got your name in lights. You, got your, you made you some money, too. I don't have a single soul that you brought to me. I don't have a single believer who has turned their life around and changed by, by the thing called repentance because of what you gave them. There are people in churches this morning having a good time. And every one of them is going to go outside, pop the top on a cold and light up, maybe shoot something in their arm, going to go cheat on their wife, going to go watch lewd things, going to use lewd language. And it ain't just them. They sit among us too, right? The wheat among the tares. Oh, they like tearing people down, but they won't do it to their face. They like looking for ways to scam and get around. They do that. If you want to see change happening, it's time to repent. And sweetie, if you want to repent with me, we're going to walk together. I love this woman to death. Stand up, lady. Oh. But if you don't repent and walk with Jesus, I'm walking with him whether you come or not. Shouldn't kiss in church. Well, get married, right? Jesus made kissing. You see, friends, if you want something to change in your life, start seeking God and say, is there something I need to repent of? You might be backbiting people. It's time to repent. You might be gossiping about people. It's time to repent. You may have a problem putting down the habit. It's time to repent. You may have a problem that you can't put down the pornography. It's time to repent and be set free today. If any of these people in here will look at you and point fingers at you, I will tell you it's time for you to repent. We're supposed to be drawing them in. We're drawing them in. It's time to repent. And that's what the early guys did whenever the Great Awakening happened. When this church was born, it was a message of repentance. 
And when you come in and you've turned away, now God will show you and He will grow you. And if you're in a healthy group of believers, they will help you to grow and they will pray for you. They won't talk about you. You won't be ashamed to get up here and give your testimony, worried about what they got to say. Your story is now His story. It's time to repent. We've discussed for two months, almost three now, the problems, the issues, what they are. Here's the answer. It's time to repent. If you're sitting here today and you got hatred in your heart for somebody, do you know that you are a murderer? If you're sitting here today and you've used this to murder somebody's character, you are a murderer, you're a backbiter, you're a backstabber, and you're a sinner, and it's time to repent. It's time to repent. If you're sitting here today and you're not asleep totally, you're still alive, brother, sister, little boy, little girl, big boy, big girl, it's time to repent. Let's stop playing the games. We haven't gone through this just to fill up an hour and five minutes of your time. You've got a problem with it being five after 12. It's time to repent. Oh, yeah, amen. Paul had people falling out the, out the window. Well, you ain't Paul. Yeah, the Holy Ghost is the same Holy Ghost. He changes not. Oh, by the way, if you're sitting here and you're a respecter of persons, the Bible says that's sin. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. Give me some music, sir. Your job. Thank you. It's time to repent. We're going to go deep in repentance next week, a little bit deeper. But that's the message. There is no salvation without repentance. You're walking this way. Repentance says, Oh, that's wrong. I don't want to do that no more. Now you're walking back toward God. That's what repentance is. And you're walking through your walk, and everything is good to go, and all this. And then all of a sudden, something trickles in on you that does not add up with the Word of God. God's saying, now it's time to repent. It's always been there. I've known it. But it's time to repent. So wherever you are is sitting in this room this morning, go to God. Truly repent. You want me to pray with you? I'll pray with you. You want somebody else to pray with you? How about this? How about if the Holy Ghost is leading you to come pray with somebody? How about we do that? See, that's repentance. That's giving in to Him. I don't know what to say. You're right. You, you are nothing, really. It's all Him. But if you submit to Him, He'll give you what to say. He needs to work through us. Well, I'm not called to do that. That's good. Then don't do it. Whatever God's called you to do, you best make haste and do it. What he's told you to stay away from, stay away from it. You know, Brother Murphy, he likes turnips. I don't. If God would have made us both like him, then we'd like turnips. If God made everybody like me, they'd be growing for nothing. We're different. we got different callings. But I can tell you now, we don't see revival in our church. We don't receive revival in our homes. We don't see revival in our community. We don't receive revival in our nation unless we repent.
you strong enough to come to this altar and repent today? Are you strong enough to walk with Jesus and get set free? Or are you so deceived in sin that you're already hating on me right now because of the message that I preached or the way I delivered it? Then it's time to repent. There's a clue. It's time to repent. You got stuff you know that's killing your body and you can't give it up? It's time to repent and let the power of God set you free. Don't we still believe He can do that? He can set you free. He can help you see things the way He sees them. It's time to repent.